0: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation.
1: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. This is Tim Little, and we are moving stuff around here for our summer, and I get to do the intro. And I just want to welcome you, and I want to even just uh, throw out a little um, response. We had a listener respond to the alcohol episode. Brian Collins, thanks for writing in. He provided some additional support for Proverbs 23, how it talks about how the wine is red and sparkling, uh, which he saw as also an additional argument that the wine normally drink would have been um, watered down. So that was a great input. Thanks for writing in. And he also asked a couple other questions, which I might address in the future. Uh, If you hear something or have any kind of questions, remember to write us an email, send it in. Uh, We love to get listener feedback. So today in our summer episode, we have only one book, but it is time for somebody going to help me out here. Books in business. There we go. Thank you. Okay. So what, what are we reading?
0: So, Tim, I know that you don't
1: introduce the podcast
0: that often, but the line is, we have some thinklings business to tend to.
1: Do you want me to do it again?
0: No, that's okay. No.
1: Okay,
2: You've <laughs> lost your shot. That was your one chance.
0: You're banished. <laughs> You're excommunicated to the podcast uh, Outer Realms. We have,
2: we've canceled him. We've canceled him. <laughs> Horrendous. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to talk about a book that's over a hundred years old that I'm only reading part of it because I'm working on a project, but it's kind of interesting. And I think it might be worth talking about. Uh, The book I want to talk about is the Roman festivals of the period of the Republic by W Ward Fowler. Now I guarantee you, I'd never heard of this book until a couple of days ago, as I was doing some research on the topic of Saturnalia. Do you guys know what Saturnalia is? Have you heard of it before? What what do you know about Saturnalia? i know I people know
0: that it. i know people that have interacted with it
2: okay <laughs> yeah that was i didn't know much about it i would listened to a podcast called the history of rome by mike duncan back when i was a window cleaner and uh, when he got to the section where he was talking about um feast days and things he brought up that saturnalia was this holiday in december where they gave people gave each other gifts and he said, basically, the church just stole it, and that's what Christmas is. It's just Saturnalia. And I remember thinking that's got to be some weird liberal viewpoint or something. I don't know. So Carl Kirby's ministry, Reason for Hope, uh, puts out books, and they have a book about Christmas, 25 questions on Christmas. They're going to publish this December, and they asked me to write a chapter. And so I'm excited. I get to write a chapter on, Is Christmas a Pagan Holiday? Ooh, so when awesome. you look this up. That's exciting. I know I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm some working on it right now. I'm up against a deadline. Um, that's, that's where you do your best writing though. Right guys. Amen. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but it's interesting. That's why we create them. I know. <laughs> What's interesting is that Saturnalia doesn't look like Christmas. When you look at it, like once you get into Saturnalia, there's some, some big differences. So for example, there's a an old writer named Lucian of Samosata, And he wrote this play where he had Kronos, who is Saturn. It's the same God in the play. Say something when he talks about his, his feast of Saturnalia. And so this is what the character Saturnalia or Kronos says. He says, my monarchy is a limited monarchy. You see, to begin with my monarchy only lasts a week. Now that's because the festival of Saturnalia at its length, at the, The longest point, it lasts a whole week. He says, it only lasts a week. Then it's over. I'm a private person. I'm just a man in the streets. Secondly, during my week, the serious of life is barred. No business is allowed. Drinking and being drunk. Noise and games and dice. Appointing of kings and feasting of slaves. Singing naked. Clapping of the tremulous hands. And on occasion, ducking the cork faces in icy water. Such are the functions over which I preside. Now, does that sound at all like the way Christians celebrate Christmas? Uh, no. <laughs> no. That sounds more <laughs> like like a frat house maybe, kind of a, a scenario. So anyways, I was trying to figure out how do I answer this question, and there's a lot of good articles out there, but what I ended up doing is I wanted to learn more about Saturnalia, and so this book is is interesting. So just I'll just give you a little bit about it. So what this guy does, first of all, he, he taught at Oxford Lincoln college in Oxford, and uh, he's an English historian. His expertise at the time was Roman history. And then he was also, I just found out he was an ornithologist. That's like a guy who studies birds. So he's a Renaissance man. What can we say? Hmm. The way he arranges the book is chronologically through one calendar year. So he starts with the first part of the year in the Roman calendar, and then he goes through and he just addresses every festival that comes up. So if you're interested in Roman festivals, it's actually kind of a cool book. I mean, it's it's old. It's um he he wrote this you know over a hundred years ago. So his his style of speech, the way he writes, is going to be really really old. Uh, but it is really interesting. There's a lot of sacrificing to a lot of gods. That's all I'll say. I didn't read a lot of the book, but every other bit that I read, um, this family's going to gather and sacrifice a suckling pig, or they're going to do this or whatever. Um, But when he gets to Saturnalia, which I just lost my spot. Yeah. He says a couple of things that are fascinating. So the God Saturn in Roman, History was an agricultural god, so if you were a farmer, Saturnalia would have been sort of important to you. But in the end, he says that he Saturnalia really wasn't a very important god. In fact, for the Romans, Zeus or Jupiter would have been big. Um, uh, Mars obviously would have been huge, but when it comes to Saturnalia, Saturn, excuse me, he really wasn't the most important god. Um, he was not a popular deity. And he even calls them obscure and uninteresting at some point. Uh, But his feast, on the other hand, ends up being this really, really like um, party party. There's a couple of, what's that? Revelry. Very much a revelry. Yeah. The weird, the other thing though, is there was this, 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 um, this flip flop that happened during the feast also. So you had house servants or you had, uh farm servants who like worked your farm and then you had the owners and like the uh the important people who like you worked for and during the at one point it's only one day december 17th and then it kind of stretches out to a week and then it kind of i think three days was sort of the it was hard to nail down about three days most old roman historians were saying and during that time the slaves or the workers would become equal with the masters or the leaders and the masters and the leaders would do all the serving. So they would sort of flip flop roles. And that was really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, still, though, it's hard because like he, he quotes Seneca and he says that in this day, all Rome seemed to go mad on this holiday. Um, but he makes a couple of comments and here's where it really gets interesting for us as Christians. He says, I'm just going to read part of it. Quote, he says, Seneca tells us that on this day, all of Rome seemed to go mad on the holiday. Probably it's vogue and was largely due merely to the accident of fashion, partly perhaps to the misty ideas about the golden age and the reign of Saturn. But it seems to be almost a general human instinct to rest and to enjoy oneself around the time of the winter solstice and to show one's goodwill toward one's neighbors. And that's interesting. So he's saying he, he wouldn't say that if he only looked at Saturnalia, right? He wouldn't say it seems like a general thing for humans to want to do good to their neighbors around this winter solstice time. Side note, I forgot to say this Saturnalia takes place at the winter solstice. Okay. So I thought that sounded odd, but then he goes on later and he describes it. He says, you know, the, It starts on the 18th and 19th and you, you begin the day with an early bath. That was one thing you did for the holiday Then came the calls on the friends, the congratulations games. And then you gave each other gifts. That's the other thing. There's gift giving, which is why some people tie it to Christmas. Uh, All manner of presents were made as they still are at Christmas. So he directly ties to Christmas. He says among them are the wax candles That deserve notice as they were thought to have some reference, just like the Yule log, to the returning power of the sun's light after the solstice. They descended from the Saturnalia into Christmas ritual of the Latin church. So he right there makes the the state, basically makes the claim that that's where Christmas comes from. Now, I I think that's interesting because, well, first of all, we never did a Yule log at Christmas. Do you guys do Yule logs or? Is that like a thing? And there's for... like the Yule tide, but yeah. I don't know any of that. And like stuff. a Yule log is, you put like candles on a log, and sometimes you make it uh like a Yule logs a food. I know that where you put the candles in, but it, it's more of like a Europe thing. I think I don't know unless like one of you guys have done it, Charlie. You,
1: okay. I mean.
0: In my resident expertise as a pagan, uh, no, I've never, I've never, uh, I don't even, my first thought was that the Yule log is some connection to the tree, but uh, I don't, that I've never done anything like that.
2: Yeah, no, okay, so that, that me either. I think this is a European thing, specifically maybe German. German's got all kinds of Christmas history. So I'm telling you, this is a rabbit hole, guys. So I read another book, well, part of another book on, the development of Christmas. I've read a bunch of articles on Christmas. It turns out that the church didn't really celebrate Christmas as we think of it until sometime in the late 200s, early 300s. And really, there was just paganism going on all year round in Rome. And so then at some point, Constantine co-ops some Roman stuff to make it sort of Christian holidays. So anyways, the whole thing, I'm still sorting it out in my head. I think here's the big question that I'm trying to answer. If it is a Roman pagan holiday, what's the big deal? Like, I don't think that Mm. proves anything. And I think that's the, it's like kind of a red herring. Is Christmas, a pagan holiday. Well, even if it started pagan, Mm. when I put a Christmas tree up, I'm not worshiping some pagan Norse God or something of trees. And so it's interesting. So Bruce Shelley, historian, he wrote uh, Church History in Plain Language. He had a Christianity Today article that was super short, super helpful. But he said, he asked the question, is it pagan? And he said, in some ways, that was his answer. <laughs> and uh, so, it, I don't know. I don't think it is, but it might have some like carryovers. But I guarantee you today, none of us think about this. Now, if we want to get really controversial, which we never do on this podcast, it may be similar to our current debate over Halloween.
1: Mm.
2: If you're just going trick-or-treating and dressing your kids up, are you celebrating the devil? And I think this is for the Christians who do that with a clean conscience. Uh, the Christians who are like, I could not be involved in that because it's wicked. I think this is maybe part of the debate. I think with Christmas, we're super far away from it. But I guess I, there are a contingent, it's not very large, of Christians who don't celebrate Christmas because they think it's just too connected to paganism. It's the weirdest, the weirdest thing I never thought I'd find out about it. But anyways, this book, I just thought I'd bring it up. It's over 100 years old. It was published in 1899. Uh, but if you want to know some stuff from a, a pretty educated guy on Roman um, festivals, this would be a good book for you. And I guarantee you, you might think, yeah, it's really old. Though, is there any more current stuff? But I, but trust me, not a lot has happened in the history of Rome in the last hundred years. I mean, it has not really yes. changed much. It, you know, it's. We're, we're, I think you can you can rely on this one. So no no thinklings goodness scale no no rating. Uh, just thought it'd be interesting to talk about Charlie. What do you got? Or Tim, okay. what do
0: you got? You know, actually, so, Andy. Oh, I think Andy just solved a problem that we have. So oh, oh, I no. think Andy, Andy, because it's his book, he can moderate who gets to comment. So okay. who ahead, do you Charlie. want to? Okay, yeah.
2: Go try. I'm I'm a little nervous when you said I solved a problem, and I didn't realize I was doing that.
0: So I had I had two thoughts, and the first thought was. Uh, you know, cause here's a, here's something that's being used in idol worship. And then the Christians come to understand that there's not really an issue with like a Christmas tree or whatever. And so some Christians have no conscience issue with it and others do. How similar do you think this is to the meat offered to idols discussion in the, in the new Testament? Would we would we give up Christmas holiday for Christians with a conscience who think that it's a pagan holiday? So that's my first question to bounce back at you. And then I was trying to come up with like a modern example, and uh, you you went to Halloween, which is a is a good one. My thought was like trying to grab something that's purely pagan, and then try to think through if we syncretized it. So like. In America everyone like watches the Super Bowl. Everybody. And in fact, I know of lots of churches who like suspend normal activities on Super Bowl Sunday to have like a Super Bowl fellowship. And that that that's not really like they're bringing the the icons of the pagan holiday into worship. So, like what if what if we went to like a Super Bowl fellowship And then we were like, you know, like laying a bunch of things before a big football, or, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I guess I could go with like I know churches, yeah.
1: Well,
0: I I know (laughs) churches that have like wear a jersey to church day. You know, like in and in a you know a practical respect, you could look at some of those athletes certainly as idols, and we use the word in a positive connotation, like they're a, a positive role model but we obviously know that people worship these guys and so i'm i'm kind of so that thinking through like the super bowl modern equivalent like would we have a problem if like jerseys from our favorite team or footballs or basketballs like seeped into our religious ceremonies that'd be my like and i, I don't have any answers on these questions just kind of <laughs> thoughts that were percolating as you were talking. So what, what do you guys think about that first one? Like how, how close of a connection do we have here to that meat offered to idols, uh, motif in, in the Corinthian letters?
2: So that's a hard one. And then I'll let Tim answer it. And then I have an answer for your second one. You read my mind actually. So with the meat sacrificed to idols, I think it's, it's, um, so I would say there's some distance historically, from the pagan holiday of Saturnalia that if there's a strong connection, which I don't think there is after looking at everything going on now, Bruce Shelley in his article says that what Constantine did was he took Saturnalia and then infused it with Christianity, which at the time, probably many Christians would have had exactly the question you had, Charlie, except that he's the Roman emperor telling them to do this. However, today no one celebrates Saturnalia no one does in fact there's a book uh, I looked at yesterday called the history of Christmas and uh, very controversial well not the book isn't but it talked about this um, they called it the slave Christmas down in the south where in the south they basically let the slaves have a couple of days off around Christmas and the guy describing it said people at the time in like 1800s basically called it a modern day Saturnalia. literally use that word because it was so much partying and drinking and getting drunk and being, you know, debaucherous and whatnot. <clears throat> so today, though, if I put up a Christmas tree. Or and I do all these things, no one's confused. Does that make sense? No one thinks like there's no confusion. And if someone came and said, I think that's a pagan holiday. I know, like, I'm supposed to be careful for the weaker brother. But I would say that I think that that'd be like a flat earther too. I would say like a flat earther comes up and says, don't you understand the earth is flat, blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna give a lot of space to that, and you know that sort of a thing. Sorry if you're a flat earther out there. I, I'm sorry. I know that's a a niche view out
1: there. So I would say if there's a distance. Tim, what do you think? I was just gonna say I've met a couple of people who believe so. Uh, Christmas is a pagan holiday, so it's not yeah. too distant of a view. Um, there are some people who refuse to celebrate Christmas because of its pagan roots. Well, I'm glad you're writing an article on it.
2: Yeah. I think the tricky thing for me is if the paganism was going on today, right? Right. Then I would say there's a, it's a totally different discussion, but that kind of paganism is not going on today. Commonly, at least at where we're at, maybe it is elsewhere. So here, this will address Charlie's second question. It will begin to address it. Um, So I was trying to think how this is, this book is going to be aimed at like late junior high high school, and then any adults who might be reading the book also. And the cool part about the book is when the Reasons for Hope goes around and does their Bible camps throughout the, all, all through the country and they do apologetics training at them, they just take questions from high schoolers. They write them down on a note card and hand them as they leave, like, what's, your, what's a big question you have about Christianity and stuff? And so all of these are the top questions they've received on the topic of Christmas. So you're right, Tim. It's a, it's a, it's a legitimate issue. But I had the thought that if Constantine really did take Saturnalia and just try to like make a church version so we could celebrate something that was actually good and not evil, well, what would be like a present day example of that? So here, here we go. So imagine a country in the future that is celebrating the 4th of July. And the Christians realize, hey, wait a second. Uh, The 4th of July celebrates independence from Britain, right? British rule, British tyranny. <clears throat> and so it's all about freedom, right? It's it's a holiday of freedom. And so Christians get together and they barbecue. But as the Christians are together barbecuing, they realize, wait a second, we have freedom from Britain. That's really great. But our freedom in Christ is way better. We should really celebrate that. And And they think, you know what, that would be a good thing. So on the 7th of July, three days later, we're going to have our own Christian celebration of the freedom we have in Christ and the forgiveness of his sins. And so. Three days later, Christians get together and there's discount fireworks available everywhere. And so they buy up discount fireworks because fireworks are powerful. They explode with power and the power of Christ to give us freedom is even more powerful. And so this new holiday, Freedom Day, erupts on the 7th of July. And in America, it erupts because of a local national local holiday. But then word of this goes through social media, and within like two decades, Christians all around the world are celebrating Freedom Day on July 7th. Now, some Christian over in England says, I won't celebrate that because that's connected to an American pagan holiday. The church can make up whatever holidays it wants to celebrate Christianity. Does that make sense? So, part of me thinks, I wonder if that would be like a. A way to modern take on why it's okay to you know there's not that big of a deal charlie go ahead you've been waiting patiently to dive in on this one
0: so it's like on super bowl sunday (laughs) we celebrate the bowl judgments in revelation (laughs) like god will judge the world all these pagans watching football they're gonna burn is that what we're getting well
2: well i i would say that what we celebrate. <laughs> okay, that was that was. I, fun. So actually,
0: was Andy, I think that was a really, really helpful illustration of how okay. Christians maybe at a similar time used some of the same ideas, but then kind of made it their own. Should um, I add that to the chapter that I'm writing?
1: Should I, I use? I thought that, that was
0: helpful. I thought that was helpful, Tim.
1: Okay. Tim's not persuaded. No, I mean, just there's... So there's a lot of connections to worldliness. Like the whole Super Bowl thing, there's so many ungodly yeah. things associated with the Super Bowl. And so, I mean, just the validity of a church using it or doing whatever... Well, no, with it. I mean, the, if you're opening the, a can of worms there... Yeah.
0: You, well, I'm referring to like the 4th of July... I think he was making a joke example. about...
1: I think he was making a joke with the Super Bowl, Tim. He wasn't when when real serious. I mean, the 4th of July thing, you know, can a Christian... Can Christians just create and seize any kind of day or holiday and make whatever they want
0: well that's part of the
1: conversation is (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm not going there um (laughs) the i just you have certain holidays oh okay so i mean there's one holiday called pentecost and what do we do with pentecost What are you are you guys celebrating Pentecost this year? Nope.
2: Nope. So this is interest. Well, I don't want to cut you off. Are you done?
1: Well, the, it's just a rhetorical question to get us think. Well, what well, holidays an should the church celebrate?
2: Go I ahead. have an answer. So, I, so what's interesting is he, so Shelley brings this up in his article, where he says, well, it's either him or another guy. I can't remember. I've read so much. You know, when you're like reading, you got all these stuff in your all these thoughts yeah. in your head. There's another guy or Shelley who brought up that. Until like two fifty three hundred, the church didn't have a set holiday on december twenty fifth and Saturnalia doesn't even line up that well It, it starts on the seventeenth often, and it floats back and forth. So when the church makes its own holiday then, I really think like um, it's not <clears throat> it's not um it might be around the time of paganism, but you're not they're not pushing forward any paganism. Does that make sense? And so, but again, it's just it's good to celebrate Christ's birth, no matter when. Because remember, he probably wasn't born around that. Well, I know maybe you think he was time born around that time. I don't know what time he was born during the year.
1: Yeah, the church actually,
2: the church actually, before that time, had been celebrating the Epiphany on January sixth for a century or more, I think. And that was his commemorating his baptism by the Holy Spirit in the Jordan and something else, and I can't remember what else. So I would just say. I'm not saying let's treat Christmas flippantly and whether we celebrate or not, I think you should. And I think it's a good thing to celebrate. And I, I think Easter is really important too, because that's like the most like Christ's birth and Christ's death. I mean, what is more important than that? But I don't think it'd be bad if we made another holiday, but also what Shelly brought up and this is where I was going is this is like, um, in romans where like one person honors a day as holy and another one doesn't and there's like Mm -hmm. a level of that going on it's hard to say that with christ's birth i really think like christ's birth is really really important and i think you should as a christian celebrate that um and i think or i say his 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 death i meant to say his death his death his his birth yeah well i think his birth is important too i think those are both important to celebrate um It was just an interesting study, so I don't know. I wouldn't say I have strong opinions. I don't want to speak, listener, like I've got this all figured out. I'm like in process. So you hear the in process in me. But it's been interesting to think about, interesting to think about. Could we start our own January or July 7th Freedom Day for our freedom in Christ? We could set fireworks off like Christ bursting the bonds with these explosive powers. I don't know, because also at a certain point, I don't know. You're just making up new holidays then. You just make up a holiday whenever you want. I don't know. Interesting questions. So, but for the history nerds out there, sorry, I called us by a real name for the history um, connoisseurs. Mm -hmm. uh, W Ward Fowler's, the Roman festivals, the period of Republic. He also has a one on a period of the empire. So he's like two parts. The most popular one is the Republic one.
0: One last thought on this is, and I have it pulled up here. It might be helpful. To our listeners, uh, well, I had it pulled up and then I must've closed out of it. Uh, Scott annual friend of the podcast, uh, had a podcast titled is Christmas a pagan holiday, uh, from, uh, I think it was in 2022 somewhere in there. And, uh, I just remembered driving to Christmas events and listening to that and finding it helpful from an American context. Uh, I don't think he gets into the Roman origins like specifically. I don't think he's attacking it historically like in the same way, but he does talk about like maybe the consumeristic ideas in America and things like that. And I found that to be helpful. So uh, by the waters of Babylon by Scott annuals, his podcast and uh, our listeners maybe help to listen to that as well.
2: And one more thought.
1: Mm, I don't know. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, wait, you're not the host this time. Tim is. No, go ahead hey (laughs) this is
0: great
2: (laughs) my powers are gone so just personally as i was studying this from an apologetics angle i think the issue especially like with fowler in the 1899 book that we referenced but then even i would say like if some new atheist were to throw it out and say you guys are just doing what the romans did you just call it christmas First of all, I think you show there's huge differences, huge differences. They're not remotely the same. The Christian holiday, like when we get together, and give each other gifts. Okay. If pagans at an orgy give each other gifts and then I give you guys gifts, no one's going to accuse us of doing the same thing there. It's just the gift giving is the same, but not the whole thing. So I would say it's there's so analogy. many differences. What's that? It's a false analogy. It is. It is. There's, there's not enough, uh, com- um, comparative similarities. Clarity. There's just no, con- yeah, not enough continuity. So first of all, I would say I, I, I think that that's not proving any points. But when Fowler, in his book, the one we were referencing, when he says this is how it happened, he's it's like a bedtime story. That's what Coco um, calls it when it's like a just so story. This just explains it. He says this is how it church it carried over into the church and then blah blah blah. Well, it, that's like a huge claim, and he needs to prove that pretty clearly. And then even if it does, what does that prove? Like, what exactly does that show? I think most non-believers or atheists, whoever might be saying this, would argue that they, if they made this argument, if they made it, it would probably be to show that Christianity is just the same as all these other superstitious religions. And I would say I think that's, that doesn't really prove what they think it does. But then secondly, even if there is... <coughs> Some distant or remote connection to pagan practices that Constantine tried to recruit, like tried to Christianize. I guarantee you, today, for us, for Christians, like true believers in the Bible and God and Christ, none of us are thinking any of these things like we're not thinking we need to do the yule log because there's some mystical power here or we need to do it because that's the popular thing that those pagans are doing and we want to be popular like them like none of us are thinking silly thoughts like that and so i do think the intent of the person celebrating it is really really important which is also why many people who celebrate christmas aren't really celebrating the christmas ver- christian version of christmas and in that sense you could say there is a modern pagan holiday that has something to do with santa claus and you know being a good boy and an elf on a shelf and whatnot so i I would say that even if there is connection i i I just i don't think that that proves christianity is false or not true nor does it prove that everyone who has a christmas tree you know i also read a really interesting article on a christmas tree but maybe i'll save that
1: for another day sounds good Jeremy. Tim, you do you have another? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, like, yeah, sorry, sorry. What was I supposed to say?
0: <laughs> let's let's have a final thought from God's Word. Oh, How's yeah. that sound? And I think I'm the that one that good. would say that. <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm.
0: And so, uh, we're gonna just look at a couple of verses <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes chapter three. And uh, you know, Tim, you you asked a, a really good question. You know, what what. Holidays should the church celebrate. And uh, I think, you know, whether you decide Constantine and his decisions of what holidays needed to be in the Christian nation of Rome, quotes over Christian nation, uh, whether you like his decisions or not, I think we can recognize that uh, much like Andy's book said, there are just times when certain things are appropriate there are celebrations for things in life there are also times of mourning that are prescribed and so whether we call them christmas or saturnalia i think uh, humans do under the sovereignty of god recognize the times and the seasons and there are naturally times of work and there's times of joy and celebration And so, regardless of the title, I think that those things would be happening. And I think that's biblical. So, Ecclesiastes 3 For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that they that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. So obviously, a long section there talking about times to do things. And the book of Ecclesiastes opens up with uh, a very thoughtful question. Uh, and I'm going to you know, put it in our own vernacular. Like, what do we get from all the work that we do while we live here on this earth? Ecclesiastes calls it under the sun. And uh, Solomon is looking at his life of all the things that he's done. And he's like, the sun comes up every day and it goes down. The wind blows one way, it blows the other way. You know, what, what's, what's the purpose of all this? Like, we're going to go through all of this repetitious toil,
1: and what do we get out of it? And then you come to chapter 3, and we find that these
0: seemingly meaningless repetitions are not meaningless, and they're actually very specifically designed by God. That God is the sovereign uh, controller of all of those times. That the time to be born, the time to kill, the time to mourn, the time to laugh, all of those things are under the sovereign hand of God. And the verse uh, that really wraps all of it together is Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. And so that's it's kind of funny. We did not plan uh, to talk about Christmas and then to talk about Ecclesiastes three. It's just kind of random. but uh, regardless of the name, there are times that God has given to man to work. There are times that are joyous and celebratory, like Christmas, you know, whatever holiday we would celebrate. God has planned that, and he's made those times beautiful. He's also the divine planner of the less fun times, when there's death, when there's weeping, when it's not a time to embrace, and it's a time to be silent. And God is sovereign over every one of those moments of our lives. And Solomon recognized that God, in his beautiful timing, is the one that controls his time And recognizing that truth was the beginnings of joy and contentment for Solomon. And so as we close our podcast today, just encourage you to think about the sovereignty of God. Think about the circumstances that he's brought into your life and recognize that all of them have been beautifully timed. There was a specific time for everything that has happened. And God has done that in your life for a very specific reason. And if you continue in Ecclesiastes 3, he puts it this way. I perceived, this is verse 14, that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. And God has done it so that people fear before him. Recognize that God's sovereignty and our recognition of his perfect sovereignty is what allows us to look at him in reverence and awe and worship. And that is a very foundational truth for Solomon and Ecclesiastes as he tries to find, I think, meaning, but then also as he enjoys uh, the life that God had given him. So, Ecclesiastes 3. God has made everything beautiful in its time and what he has allowed in our lives he's done uh, so that we would learn to fear him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on The Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that The Thinklings Podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at The Thinklings Podcast.